0: Welcome to Figuring Out Families and a new mission podcast with Kirsty Robertson, the CEO of Caritas Australia. Caritas Australia is the Catholic Church's International Aid and Development Agency and is part of one of the largest humanitarian networks in the world. I chatted with Kirsty earlier this year about the war in the Ukraine. Kirsty, welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: No, pleasure to have you back on the program. We last spoke about the war in the Ukraine earlier this year Since then, of course, it's been another crazy year for Australians and the West, really, with mortgage rates going up, the cost of living increasing, floods in New South Wales and Victoria, it sort of goes on and on and on. But there's there's one issue that you want to talk about today that uh, probably has fallen off the media radar, and that's uh, Ethiopia. And uh, I believe you were there recently, so perhaps you could fill us in what's going on there. It sounds pretty dire.
1: Yes, I was in Ethiopia about uh, a month or two ago now and I really went because we had been hearing a lot of stories about the situation and the fact that there was human suffering taking place in the Horn of Africa, in in Yemen, in Syria and um, and also in Afghanistan actually on a scale that really hadn't been seen in decades and I just wanted the opportunity to see with my own eyes and to be able to be confronted with what our partners were doing um, on the ground there through the Caritas network. So I went and visited drought stricken communities across Ethiopia, both up in the north and in the south of the country. And in fact, all over the country, I met with communities who were facing famine, you know, communities after community that had lost crops that had lost livestock to drought Uh, but also I think mothers that were telling me that they couldn't feed their children you know they were feeding their children every second day now little tiny children every second day and women who were walking in some cases overnight um, to get one jerry can of of water so um, I think what What I saw when I was there um is that you know these situations just really aren't isolated, that across Africa right now there's millions of people facing famine. um and it's true because I know I saw it with my own eyes.
0: It must be fairly um you know coming from a, a wealthy country like Australia, even though we've got issues, it's these are first world problems, that we have nothing compared to what uh, Ethiopians have in other African countries. Was it uh, totally eye-opening for you to witness firsthand what you saw?
1: Yes, it definitely was eye-opening. It's interesting. I've worked for Caritas and organisations like Caritas for over two and a half decades now. So, you know, I think this sort of experience is not new to me, but what was new was just the desperation, I think, in people's um, eyes, in their hearts. It was clear that, that people were running out of options. And so, you know, community after community was telling me exactly the same story. Hunger, um, years of, of relentless drought, dwindling resources and no, no rain, no, no food. And in that sense, it really was a crisis on a scale that I haven't, haven't seen in all the time that I've worked, worked for Caritas.
0: And uh, Kirsty, how many people are we talking about? I think Ethiopia has over 100 million. Is it much of the country that's really desperate at the moment or just certain sections of the country?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, in Ethiopia, the numbers are huge. You've got about uh, 50 or 55% of the population that are facing hunger in various forms. But I think when you look more globally, that's when the situation really becomes quite devastating. We've got a tripling of people who are facing acute hunger in the world right now. So the number has tripled since 2019 from was about 135 million and it's now around uh, 350, just under 350 million. So I think those numbers really reflect a unfolding global human catastrophe. I think sometimes it's really important. Large numbers often scare people, or people get overwhelmed by large numbers. So I think what's really important for people across Australia to remember is that each one of those has, you know, a name and a face and a family. You know, each one of them is is a is a person. And secondly, I think just important for people to realise that hunger isn't just about food; it's about um, equality and access. There is enough food globally in the in the world just the food isn't getting to where it needs to go
0: yeah i mean it's a problem and i think uh, the ukrainian war certainly didn't help a lot of grain was being held up there at uh, one stage it just takes one sort of a hiccup to sort of multiply around the world doesn't it in terms of getting uh, food grain whatever to to certain countries but uh, has that situation improved you know uh, with the ukraine and the getting the the grain out
1: no, you, I mean, that's exactly right. You know, I think we we call it the triple jeopardy at the moment in places. So we've got conflict um, and to, and uh, Ethiopia is a very good example of the conflict around Tigray that is affecting people. When there's conflict, people move and when people move, they can't plant their crops. And then secondly, we've got climate change and the, the effect of climate change and then thirdly, COVID-19. We already had that triple jeopardy before the war in Ukraine and then the war in Ukraine has just exacerbated this. You know, that was the world's food basket. You know, there was 50% of the the grain that is used by the World Food Program to feed the hungry was coming from Ukraine. And so, you know, that, that situation and that conflict essentially exacerbated an already dire situation.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, the millions that are sort of starving or really on the edge. It is, uh, and you said about overwhelmed. I think a lot of people, myself included, when you hear those sorts of numbers, it's hard not to be overwhelmed. I mean, we see homeless in Melbourne and Sydney from time to time. You might see a few people here and there. That in itself is sad. It's not overwhelming perhaps. But when you're talking about millions, that to me is overwhelming. How How do you get around that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that's the that's the story of Caritas, right? It's just you take these devastating situations that happen all over the world and you have to bring it back to one person and remind yourself that you are just one person but you also have the power to change one person's life. When I was in Ethiopia, I met this woman called Marley who was about the same age as me and her story really struck out to me, I think because she probably was the same age to me and she just returned from walking overnight to get water. And I could see the devastation in her eyes when she was describing to me being unable to to feed her child. And I guess for me that's a connection because I've got a five-year-old boy myself and, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like not to be able to have enough food to, to feed him. And so I think the main thing I always do is try and get away from talking about millions of people and start, in my head at least, just remembering women like Marley and thinking through, well, how can I help her today?
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Was I mean, she the lady, I think I read in one of the media releases that Caritas put out recently, a woman who walked something like 17 kilometres just to get water. Was that the person you were talking to?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, um, she she lived in a community that used to have to walk about an hour to get water. Um, and then over the months preceding my visit, she was having to walk further and further to the stage where she was having to walk overnight. And so I was actually asking her, because her husband had gone off and married another woman, so she was at home with all of the the children. And I was asking her who looked after the children when she when she was walking. And she proudly showed me this lock that was around her neck. And she said, no, I'm really lucky. I have a lock for my hut. So I lock my children inside the hut um, and I walk at night and then I can come back and, and unlock them in the morning. And so, you know, I think for me that was a really hard thing to hear, but, but just the industriousness of, of women, you know, they, they will actually do whatever needs to, to be done to, to feed their children, to ensure that their children have access to water.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's an extraordinary story. I mean, you know, we, we live in places where you walk 10 or 12 steps to the tap to get water. I really can't imagine someone walking all night to get water for their children. I mean, you do anything for your children, most of us would, but that in itself is its a simple um, example you've given, but it, it's heartbreaking and it's absolutely extraordinary.
1: Yeah, that's right. And she was getting one jerry can, um, which was about 20 litres of water. And when I looked at the water, it was really muddy. Really dirty, and so you know I was also thinking in the back of my mind, this is water that's probably going to make those kids sick, but at least it's water and that's the best option that she had.
0: well, I guess no alternative it's dirty water it's water we wouldn't drink here, but uh, yeah, if you don't have any other options, of course you're going to drink it to try and survive. Um, tell me about families, I believe when you were over there, uh, Kirsty, you also met a lot of families. there must have been some very interesting uh, people you met and, again, some heartbreaking uh, situations.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, mean, I have, have the great privilege of travelling a lot with my role. Well, did actually before COVID, but now it's starting up again. And, you know, I think that's one of, one of the really, really lovely moments is being invited into the homes of families throughout the world and seeing that family means a very different thing. Uh, in in communities across the world and so yes some of the families I met definitely were facing a great deal of devastation and I spent a lot of time in the internally displaced camps so the camps where people came when where violence had affected their communities so most of the families I met there were in some ways broken apart various family members had in the middle of the night all run in different directions um, and so you would meet you know a mother with two of her children but she had another four that she didn't know where they were or you'd meet a father with uh, with a couple of his children who didn't know where the mother was so a lot of the families I met um, had been broken apart by by conflict and the situations that they had faced they had been facing but I would say, um, and, I, and I actually wrote this in a blog for Caritas when I was there, that while I don't want to glorify their situation, I do want to say that, you know, there was this real hospitality that was shown to me during my time in Ethiopia. And that certainly is a cultural tradition um, in, in Ethiopia. But it really didn't matter who I was talking to or how little they had they always wanted to share it with me whether it was you know a cup of tea i remember meeting this lovely elderly couple um in one of the camps who were literally lying on a on a dirt floor and who who wanted to quickly scurry away um and make me some well they called it tea but it was actually coffee and it was very strong or uh, uh you know then i went and visited this mother who had these three you know children around her and she wanted to share some of her injera, which is an Ethiopian type of bread with me. So again, these people who really literally had nothing, who had fled their houses in the middle of the night, who were facing famine um, in the middle of the drought, were trying to share what they had been given through the World Food Programme or through the help of Caritas with me. And so I guess from that I learnt, and I always learn actually, this trip was no different to many others, but you know I think here in Australia we do have a bit to learn from vulnerable people throughout the world about building community, about being more generous, about yeah just being better humans, I think
0: yeah, I think that's a it's a very good point, and that's uh, sort of the thing the pandemic I think showed us too and the, the 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 loss of community. we've talked about that not as many people going to church anymore, not a, not as many people perhaps putting into their local community, donating their time. Uh, I mean, people do, you know, when we have a catastrophe like the floods, and we've seen that in New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria this year. But uh, generally speaking, I think a lot of that's dropped off and uh, there is a real need for that community spirit uh, to come back in a big way. And I mean, as you said, these people that you met, the families in Ethiopia didn't have a lot of money or didn't have anything really, and yet they were so generous. I mean, that, that says volumes, doesn't it?
1: Definitely. And I think in many ways, you know, I'm wearing a Caritas Australia t-shirt and they can see on the tents Caritas Australia logos or on the wheat bag. So, you know, I think they're they're aware of the link. Um, And in a way, I guess I represent a symbol. You know, I'm not just Kirsty Robertson. I'm a symbol of these Australian Catholics who have, through their support of Caritas, been able to support these communities. And the result is that they do want to yeah, offer that bit of generosity back in, in, in the best way that they can.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. That was a bit of a worry. You mentioned a, a lady who had six or how many children, but she four of them she couldn't find. Hopefully she found them eventually. They all shot off in different directions, did they?
1: The- <laughs> no, not that I'm aware of. I think it's quite a common story in these sorts of situations that, you know, um, when conflict does arise, people do tend to go off in different directions as a family. Um, and, you know, I think we are lucky that there's many systems in place that in the longer term, you hope that those families and um, can be reunited, but often it can take months or even years. While we are in the camps, there's a small school that's being run there and many of the children in the school are there with no parents at all because, again, they've run off in the middle of conflict and um, couldn't find their parents.
0: Yeah, I mean, conflict is uh, bad enough and sad enough in itself, isn't it? Uh, It's one thing not to have enough to eat or drink, but uh, you've got that added problem with, uh, you know, you don't know who's going to come in the middle of the night with guns and all sorts of things. It's something we just don't experience in Australia and, again, we're so lucky. Kirsty, perhaps you could tell me some of the things that Caritas are doing in Ethiopia at the moment and probably have been doing for some time.
1: Look, in the in the midst of um, all of that suffering that I just described and all of that pain, you know, I think one of the beautiful things about being connected um, with Caritas Australia is you have the opportunity to see these lovely beacons of light you know I remember the first moment I saw this massive water truck you know streaming down careering down actually quite fast down the street and um and realizing the joy on people's faces because they could see that water was coming and they're the sorts of things that Caritas Australia and and the broader Caritas network is doing you know trying to provide seeds so that they can try and plant a crop for the next season. Providing water in trucks um, because at the moment that really is the only option. Many of the wells and the rivers are dry. Trying to, in the, the camps for internally displaced people, a lot of the work that Caritas was doing was building toilets so people had a place, a private place where, where they could go but also so that they weren't causing any issues in contaminating the water that was there. And tarps so that people could um, find shelter. So, you know, I think each one of those, you know, sounds really small in the middle of this devastation, but it really is, I think, for these communities, a nice lantern of of hope. And so, you know, back to what I was saying earlier, I think this problem is not insurmountable. You know, we do have enough food in the world. We do have enough resources in the world. And so we just need to go person by person, community by community and 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 let people know that we have the power to make the difference. And certainly when I was in Ethiopia, I met many people whose lives were being changed because of people here in Australia.
0: Oh, that's terrific. I love your positivity and it's, it's true. I mean, they might seem like simple things to us, like building a toilet or whatever, but they're things that they don't have. And I imagine that when they do see a, a finished a product, if you want to put it that way, um, they would be thrilled. It'd be just sort of like, all their Christmases have come at once.
1: Definitely. You know, you I, I think I'm I'm constantly surprised at at how much how much joy it is on somebody's face to have their own private space. So we, we were building shelters in the um, camp for internally displaced people. You know, they're they're about four metres by four metres, but they've got tarped walls and they're solid structures. And so these are places where families can find their own privacy, you know, their own space. And then again, an access to a toilet and a shower. And again, you know, they're things that we really easily take for granted in, in Australia, but in these communities, they're a little bit about allowing people their, their dignity back, you know, being able to, to slowly find themselves again.
0: Yeah, I mean, we do, we've said it many times that we do take a lot of things for granted and each and every one of us probably should take five minutes every day just to sit and think what we have, what a lot of other people in other countries don't have. And I think the list would be so extensive, just little things that we do take for granted that people in Ethiopia, perhaps Somalia or other African places and in India and Pakistan, they just don't have. And uh, we are so lucky. So we, we can whinge and carry on at times, but we really don't have much to whinge about.
1: No, and, you know, I think in some senses, you know, it's good to acknowledge that here in Australia that, you know, right now we have food prices rising, we we have um, fuel prices rising. So, you know, definitely some Australians are, are feeling the, the pinch right now. But it's good to put that in some sort of perspective and go, you know, for example, when I was in Ethiopia, a small bottle of vegetable oil was now about four times as it, as much um, that it cost about two years ago, so you know they were waiting for days to get petrol. Days um, we were watching this petrol queue outside the hotel where we were staying, and it was quite um, it was quite easy to watch because there was a big Coca Cola truck in it, and and literally overnight it would move about five meters forward. So, you know, this is what they're doing to try and get petrol. And remember, they need those trucks to get food and, and, um, and water uh, into the, the drought-stricken communities. And so, you know, I think it is good to acknowledge that some Australians are finding it tough, but it is good to put it in that broader um, global perspective as well.
0: Yeah, no, exactly and well said. And, uh, yes, of course, there are logistical problems with getting trucks and petrol and all, that's that's another issue again as well. Uh, You mentioned earlier in the year when I said um, when the war in Ukraine started, were Australians still donating generously? Well, a lot has happened since then, and you mentioned uh, increases in grocery prices, mortgage rates are on the increase. Is it going to be harder for people to donate, or are you still finding that people here are are very generous on the whole? I
1: always find that the Australian Catholic community... Is generous. You know, I always find that people are as generous as they're able to be. Um, and so certainly for us, we find even in times, hard economic times in Australia, that the community still finds the funds that are needed to support the poor and the vulnerable. And I think that's what's particularly special about, you know, the Caritas community and, and our supporters is that it's not, a, it's not an optional extra. It's something that um, people feel very passionate about and feel like it's an important part of how they, they spend the, the money that they have. And so I do feel very um, privileged and very lucky to work in an organisation whose supporters continue to donate and to donate generously despite any, any pressures that are, that are happening in the wider um, economy here.
0: Lovely, you know, that's well said. Kirsty, perhaps a reminder of what people can do if they want to donate or other ways that families can help uh, people in Ethiopia.
1: Yes, look, people can give. Um, You can donate to the African Food Crisis Appeal for Caritas um, on our website, which is caritas.org.au or call 1-800-024-413. And those um, donations are used with our Caritas partners across Africa so that we can respond quickly and uh, efficiently to vulnerable communities uh, during this, this food crisis. One other way that, that families can help is that you can email or go and speak to your local MP. We are part of a coalition at Caritas calling on the Australian government to provide an additional $150 million to help fight famine today. And so that's a really easy way that people across Australians, uh, Australia can, can help this cause. Go, and, um, go to our website and you can see an email there that you can send off to your MP or even better, um, make an appointment and go and speak to your MP and tell them that this is something that you feel passionate about.
0: Yeah, no, good point. You mentioned before about the homes you set up in the Tar Are they um are they made in Australia and sent over or are they sourced from different areas?
1: No, yeah, they're part they're sourced part of the international community that really gets together during this time. Um, so through the International Caritas Network, but also through other NGOs who try and look at who's got the best supply. And particularly in places like Ethiopia, where it's really hard to get um to get items in. It's really important that the international community works together during these types of crises. So that's what you see with regards to the shelters that are being built.
0: That's a, good, that's a good way of looking at it. It's not just an Australian thing. It's the world helping different places. And if the world comes together, as you said, there is enough food if we uh, get certain things right. So if everyone pulls together, then uh, there's no reason to feel totally overwhelmed.
1: Exactly. You know, this this crisis is definitely not insurmountable. We can make a difference. We just need to act now.
0: Brilliant. And in summary, uh, Kirsty, what what would you like to finish on? Uh, Just people to keep their eyes open, their ears open to the ongoing issues in Ethiopia and other parts of the world?
1: The first thing I'd like people to remember is that they can make a difference. You know, I think it's really important that people don't get paralysed in these sorts of situations or with war in Ukraine or um, with any domestic emergencies as well. It's really important that people believe that they can make a difference. And then secondly, I just really encourage people to, to try and amplify this message, to tell people that this crisis is happening. The Africa food crisis isn't getting a lot of media coverage and I think our concern is that it won't until famine is declared. But once famine is declared, it's just too late. We've learned that before in the international community, and so we really need some attention paid to it. To it now, um, and if people want more information, there's a lot more information, including some videos of my time in Ethiopia, on our website at caritas.org.au.
0: Lovely. Are you finding just uh, lastly where the secular media are coming on board or is there just too much other news around at the moment so Ethiopia has just been pushed to the back of the line?
1: Yeah, look, I think it is hard to get traction in secular media, although I would say we are starting to get a bit of momentum at the moment. We saw some of our work um, in Somalia and across uh, Africa start to get some prominence um, over the last couple of weeks. So hopefully that momentum will continue to grow.
0: Lovely. Kirsty, thank you very much for your time. Always good to talk to you. Keep up the good work. I know that's an easy thing to say, but it's a massive job. But Caritas is a wonderful organisation and does an amazing amount of work in so many different places. So uh, thank you for your time and being part of uh, figuring out families today and uh, all the best going forward.
1: Thank you. I appreciate your support.
0: Absolute pleasure.